some color, yeah! Guys, welcome to a special pay-per-view special of NWA Into the Fire. And it literally just ended the pay-per-view, I want to say 30 minutes ago. And uh, boy, were there surprises, but we'll, we'll save that for last. We're going to go from card to card and talk about it. But before we get into the pay-per-view, there, there's a little news that we could we, we could talk about since we'd love to do, do some breaking news. Yeah. So what we got on the uh, first chopping block of news? <clears throat> well, uh, John Morrison has officially re-signed with WWE after he was, like, denying it. And he was like, nope, I'm not doing it. And I think the last time those rumors cropped up was, like, a few months ago. Well... He's back. <laughs> Question is, will he go NXT or will he go main roster? I'm starting to think he's going uh, main roster because I don't know if anything will come with, come of this, but he was on like one of those new WWE shows, like it's called the Bump or whatever. <laughs> okay. And it's pretty it's pretty much like like totally backstage, like they're just talking about the business kind of stuff, and uh, like. They were talking about Seth Rollins on there, and he was kind of like saying, like, you know, I think Seth Rollins has drank too much of his own Kool-Aid and stuff. It's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> so if we see if we do get John Morrison and Seth Rollins, I think that could be really cool. Seth Rollins. Oh, I think we could kind of, like, talk about this a little bit. Seth Rollins finally went full heel again. Yep, and, he's turned. Um... I hope we get the <laughs> Seth Rollins. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and not the uh, whatever he's do he seems like he's more in a serious side of things uh, on this heel. He has the authors of pain as the um, his new J and J security. What an upgrade, by the way, from two short guys <laughs> to fucking two tall buff guys. Yeah, he upgraded like 300 plus pounds just already. <laughs> yeah, this really annoys me in wrestling. Maybe I maybe because I was young and I was just like, oh, this is fucking cool. You know, when uh, Vince McMahon is like, it was me, Austin. It was me all along. <laughs> like, when they try to rep replicate that moment it seems so cheesy i think it's because i'm older and i'm just like oh wow this is like a b-rated movie kind of thing going the big reveal yeah because he was sitting behind a van and then he turned around with his hood on it's like what is he doing in the van with his hood on and just looking at the ground it's just weird but I guess they had to do that, you know, by God, we didn't know that Seth Rollins was healed, but he was healed thing. And uh, I'm happy because Face Rollins sucks dick. Um, I don't think he's a very good baby face, really. No. And we'll see what happens. Um, I guess they're going more of Roman Reigns is going to be the man now again. Uh, I've I've been maintaining since uh, they started to push, really push Bray Wyatt, and all these rumors were going about like how he was going to get a title, and everything. Mm -hmm. And then when he did beat Seth finally at the the Crown Jewel, I was like, 
Man, I see what's. I know what they're gonna do. They're gonna do Rowan and Bray at WrestleMania. Because there was rumors going around that they were getting ready to. They're gearing up to push Rowan again in the main event soon. Oh my God! It's like Vince, stop, stop shoving him down our throat. He, I, I mean, I guess he's kind of over now because there is a little cheers, but that's because he's not getting pushed. Yeah, it was that and, like, what happened to him, I guess. But, like, you know, he, he has really been out of the main event picture for a year. Mm-hmm. So, but, I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens. If they keep doing stupid shit with him, like, dog, cover you in dog food. and God, like, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've been hearing that. Uh, I think Raw is, like, the only interesting thing. When I mean by interesting, I mean like a little bit more interesting than SmackDown. I heard SmackDown has been really, really fucking bad. Yeah, I bet Fox is like really happy <laughs> with, with everything so far. Yeah, I, I, that's Vince, man. He uh, he always has to make Raw the, the flagship station uh, show. And then they kind of made it look like SmackDown was going to be the number one show. And then <laughs> just like, no, bitch, you ain't getting... A good show. You're just getting, you know, more money from uh, a network. Yeah. Uh, but a little more positive news, I guess, from, you know, SmackDown shitting the bed. Uh, we have two inductees, well, one group and then one single man, and that is Batista. Is going the into... Yeah, he's going into the Hall of Fame, and... The NWO is going in the Hall of Fame. I gotta say, I'm not. I'm not saying anything negative because the NWO was big, so that makes sense to put him in the Hall of Fame. But after DX, when Sean Waltman and them went in there, you know the click and everything. It's like how many times can you induct these guys into the Hall of Fame? I don't know. Are you like complaining about Ric Flair having two Hall of Fame rings in? No, that's different, dude. Oh, come on. Hang on a minute. Because, <laughs> all right. So, like, I guess you could make an argument that the best version of the NWO was Hall, Nash, and Hogan when it was just those three. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I don't really think, like, Walt, Waltman showed up after a while i think he was the first other guy they got right yeah like that was still kind of a big deal because it was still looking like oh my god wwe people are, are coming over like he was another one mm-hmm. and like it to me it really didn't start getting that bad until like they started getting like ted dibiase and virgil in and fucking stevie ray and everybody I think CM Punk said on the the uh, Fox show that they have, or is every NWO member going to be in the Hall of Fame? Oh, they <laughs> like, like I, I'm not like ragging on like oh my, that Waltman gets in because I don't know. It's just it kind of made sense to, for, in my opinion, for him to be there. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that still makes sense because he was still kind of like a, he was a fairly over mid card star at that point, you know. Let me get. To, let me put this out there. I'm not mad that he's getting a two time. I'm yeah, more, sure. I'm more of mad that he. When's the last time DX got into the Hall of Fame? Was that two years ago or your last year? I don't remember to be honest. And how many other people are out there that they could put before NWO? 
I mean, it seems like they're getting a lot of the 90s Hall of Famers. There's a lot more other people. Like, when is Vader going to get his Hall of Fame? Well, eh, Vader it was primarily a 90s wrestler, mm-hmm. actually. But I, I feel like that's just because they, they've got the 80s just about played out at this point. There's really not many people left mm-hmm. from, from that decade, I think. That they would want to acknowledge as Hall of Famer anyway. Yeah. Uh, did, and how many times is Kevin Nash? Is this is his first inductee, right? Uh. Or did he go in as Diesel? I'm not too sure. I don't think I don't. I think he went in as Diesel. I can't really remember now. I think he did. Mm-hmm. So and of course, Hulk, too- of course, Hulk Hogan is in the Hall of Fame again. Uh, and Scott Hall, he's got two now. Yeah, Razor Moan and now um, NWO. Yeah, he deserves two anyway. It definitely changed the atmosphere of wrestling. So, I mean, I give him that. I just think it's like, I feel like there's more wrestlers that you could put in there. And I don't know. Maybe I'm just bitching for the sake of bitching. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It, it kind of is like, really? Everybody gets multiple off I guess. But it's like. I don't really think it hurts anybody. Yeah, because then now they get to say, I'm a two-time Hall of Famer, just like uh, Booker T now. <laughs> See, it's like it's like in wrestling. When you can say you have more of whatever, that means you're better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I wonder who's going to induct these guys into the Hall of Fame. Oh, Batista, too. Yeah. And, and, like, I don't – Batista said Fit Finley was going to be his inductor. Uh, or he wanted him to be. I don't think Finley's accepted it yet. Hmm. Uh, and uh, as for the NWO, I don't know who would induct Eric Bischoff. Uh, maybe, I guess. I mean. To me, that's the only one that makes sense. Yeah, because he's the one who pretty much okayed it, I guess. Does this mean Eric Bischoff gets a Hall of Fame ring? He was in NWO. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll make a joke out of that. Eric Bischoff should be in the Hall of Fame. Why isn't he? I know why. Do you think he'll have sour grapes after getting fired? Uh, I think he's over it already anyway. Mm-hmm. It, it, it seemed to me like he wasn't too upset about what happened. He's probably just like, this is business, brother. Yeah, he kind of came off that way. It's like it was just business. I knew I wasn't going to be in there real long. Like apparently he knew that. I don't understand him moving all the way out there. I mean, unless that was just something you had to do. But yeah, well, he got an apartment, so I'm like, maybe he got a six month lease or something like that. Because I think yeah, that's possible. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's see. Yeah, cool for all those guys. Curious to see who else gets in the Hall of Fame this year, I guess, because I'm starting to like wonder too. Like, who else can they still get? Like, I mean, maybe Vader will still be part of this Hall of Fame. Maybe it's possible. Yeah. Um, one more news article I got here is uh, Jericho calls a meeting in AEW. Ooh. Have you heard about this? No. Okay, you'll you'll really like this because I did. <laughs> Apparently, Jericho has enough clout, and th- this is fact. This is confirmed that this happened because he just came out and talked about it himself. Oh shit! 
Uh, just, it wasn't anything real bad or anything. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I just like that Jericho apparently has enough clout that he can call a meeting in AEW and fucking everybody shows up. <laughs> and, and like, apparently what he did was he, he was addressing the lack of the enforcement of rules on the program. Maybe the, maybe Jericho listened to our podcast. Maybe Chris Jericho listens to us. I don't know. He probably saw everybody bitching on Twitter. Mm. But, like, he said specifically in the case of tag team matches more than anything. Yeah, and it, it's really turning me off on the product. Like, I'll give AEW last week or the episode that just came by. I was like, hey, it was pretty good. Uh, it was all right. Is because of Jericho, Cody, MJF, you know, all the guys that should be on TV. And then you get the people that shouldn't be on TV, <laughs> and you're just mm. and you're just like, why are you here? Why can't we have other people that are in the back that are supposed to be on TV on TV? I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna cause people to get sick of seeing certain uh, talent. Like people are. I think people will eventually get tired of seeing the Bucks. Mm. And I think people will eventually get tired of seeing Omega. Well, I was listening to a podcast, and I kind of agree with them. Um, I think it's a good move that Cody and the Young Bucks are, don't have the straps. Because imagine if they did get the straps that um, people would be bitching, be like, oh, you guys are repeats, and you also got the belts now. You're kind of like WCW. You know, when Hulk Hogan and the other wrestlers were running the show. I was I was talking to uh, my buddy from work I talk wrestling with, and uh, I we were kind of talking about how they kind of soft broke up the elite as a group mm-hmm. on, on camera. Uh, and honestly, that was like a really smart decision because I didn't think about this at the time, but he's the one that brought it up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, think about this. It's like you got the Bucks, you got Cody – uh Kenny Omega uh I don't like him aside he's like considered one of their top talent and uh Dustin loosely and Adam Page are all in one group mm-hmm. so like all of your biggest stars are in a stable technically mm-hmm. and that's that's not good <laughs> yeah and I think you can like you said, they're doing like a soft breakup because during the Kenny Omega, Adam Page versus, I forgot who they faced, but they were teammates. And Adam Page was kind of like pushy and Kenny was doing all his anime bullshit and his jazz hands and his poses. And and Adam Page just like tagged himself in and then got the shit done. And it looked like he was annoyed. And I wonder if he's going to be more of a serious single competitor and not be part of this elite stable. I identify with Adam Page. I was annoyed, too. <laughs> he just did what I wanted to do. End it. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, like, they had talked about, like, a couple weeks back or something, or it might have even been on full gear. I can't remember that, like, uh, they just – it was just a, a throwaway line that – Adam Page has, has uh, left the elite. He says he wants to prove himself on his own or something. Mm-hmm. And like, so th- he was the first one that where they were kind of establishing, okay, they're kind of breaking up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I, they need more stars. They need. They need. They need to have an identity. They need to stop doing this. Well, we have everything here for you for wrestling, because 
it's not going to work out. That's how you divide your audience, sort of say, because you're going to have your hardcore audience who's going to like how Cody does things, and then you're going to have people that like the Young Bucks where they just fucking do a ballet dance with tag teams and shit, and then you're going to have the people who like Asian people <laughs> watching, <laughs> watching fucking the, the women match. You mean the people who like Orientals? Yeah, oh my god, he's a racist. <laughs> no, but, but anyway, point being, uh, yeah, Jericho pretty much is like, look, you guys have to start forcing the rules more. And the re- he even said to the wrestlers, you guys need to actually tag mm-hmm. and observe the rules because you're burying the referees. So I thought that was really interesting. And it kind of shows, like, because they're starting to enforce the rules more. And, well, they're starting to beat up referees now, and it's just like... <laughs> it's just like, fuck it, if we can't do what we want, we'll beat up the refs, I guess. Because <laughs> they have Nyla Rose powerbombing the bald-headed dude through the fucking... Uh... The bald referee. Yeah, and then, like, the wrestlers are getting in front in the face of a female referee, which I'm surprised, like, nobody's SJWing about that. Like, you know, toxic yeah. masculinity... <laughs> Masculinity. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I guess to be continued. Um, I still, yeah. I still have like, I think less than a month until this starts to pick up, and then if it doesn't, I'll just put it on the wayside. NWA is my number one show that I'm gonna be watching, and of course NXT. <laughs> yeah, I'm still interested in NWA. It's for me right now. It's NWA and NXT. Mm-hmm. All right, well, is that all the news? Yep. All right, let's get into the pay-per-view of Into the Fire, which uh, their first pay-per-view is the name of their theme song. So I guess that was a good name to pick. And apparently, this was a uh, announcement during the uh, broadcast that they are going to have a, another pay-per-view, I believe, January or I think around the same time as Royal Rumble, which I think is a bad idea. Ooh, that's not good because there's probably going to be a takeover that weekend too. Mm-hmm. So they're going to get overshadowed by Royal Rumble and takeover. I can tell you right now, I like NWA, but if there is a takeover that weekend, I'm not going to watch their show. And I always watch, <laughs> and I always watch Royal Rumble, even though the WWE product is terrible because. That's usually when somebody surprising wins or somebody surprising comes into the Royal Rumble. So, yeah. So I hope maybe, I hope they are either the week before or at least the week after Royal Rumble. I think it was January. Let me look at the calendar. If I remember, no, not January 24th, because that would be a Friday. So I think. Oh, they do it on Saturday, but I think it would still get overshadowed, especially when, you know, money-wise, because people can be like, well, what do I want to spend, $25 or $10 on the network? Yeah, and I don't know. After we talk about this pay-per-view, we might be talking about money value a little bit. At least I will. Mm -hmm. So I guess we'll get into the first match. Uh, Mr. Anderson versus Eli Drake. Uh, 
first thing I want to bring up because I haven't been keeping up with the power shows because I've just been busy with work. Are they now coming down the stairs? Is that a thing or is that just a pay-per-view thing? No, that was just something they started doing here. Okay. Do you think they're going to keep on doing that on power or they're going to make it special only for pay-per-views? I think they're probably only going to be doing that on pay-per-views because if you notice, they also had entrance music tonight and they never did before. Mm -hmm. I hope they do that because the one thing that I like about NWA is that it's either promos or straight into the action. I don't want to be watching somebody come down a ramp and high-fiving people. I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> so I mean, the entrances are still pretty short mm -hmm. compared to others, but some people tonight milked it pretty long, and it was kind of annoying. <laughs> Especially Cole Cabana. <laughs> Cole, uh, honestly, I thought Stevens was probably the worst about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But he he made it funny. Yeah, he he made it up by being entertaining. <laughs> yeah. First thing I want to bring up is, boy, does Anderson have a beer belly? <laughs> that's the first thing I saw. I was like, God damn, he's been drinking a lot of beer. That that yeah, he he's a bit pudgy now. Mm hmm. Um. I have to say, usually in wrestling matches, but then again, this is NWA, so it's old school wrestling. Don't they have like the first match always be like the energetic matches to get the crowd going? Um, that's usually a good philosophy to have to have the opening match be like one of the better ones on the card just to get everybody into the show. Mm -hmm. And I think this was headed in that direction, but then it stopped suddenly. Yeah, and that, that, that's going to be like a, a trend throughout this whole pay-per-view. Um, there was a lot of holds. It, it, it almost felt like a Randy Orton match. It was weird. Like, well, they were doing faster pace and, on the technical. I was surprised they started going into like trading holds. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, okay. And then they were doing it pretty fast. It's like they were doing chain wrestling for a bit. And then... They just started going at him like, okay, I didn't expect it to start that way. <laughs> mm -hmm. And fucking Mr. Anderson, like, beat the shit out of him throughout the whole match. <laughs> yeah, he got some pretty good hits in. Yeah, Eli Drake did get a couple of good, you know, uh, I think he did a powerbomb, I think, in one of the things. It's just a lot of holds. The holds were the ones that were just like... Uh, kind of going, oh, man, just not another hold. And that's why I kept on thinking about Randy Orton, but... They did do a quicker pace. It kind of felt like a Chris Benoit versus Kurt Angle amateur wrestling move things that they were doing. Some of that was. And then I noticed Eli Drake pulled out some pretty good moves, and he follows through on other moves pretty well, like doing like little combination things. Mm -hmm. Like there was that part where he, uh, he got Anderson up. I didn't know what the fuck he was doing at first, but then he stun gunned him. Yeah. Uh, and then he just like did a running neck breaker like right after that. And I was like, damn, that's a little, that's pretty slick there. Mm -hmm. And then he did like another one where like Anderson is like, I think he tried to pin him and he threw him off. And like Anderson was just getting up and he just ran in and did like a neck breaker like really fast. Mm -hmm. I was like, shit, pretty good, man. Yeah, but the, I don't know. Maybe it was how they orchestrated or maybe this is how they wanted to do the match to kind of keep the story going, obviously, which happens down, down later in the show. Um, but every time Eli Drake started to get some offense, it just ended really quickly. 
and then when you're thinking that Eli Drake is gonna start going on a rampage, it fucking ends the match. <laughs> uh, did he? Did he win with a roll up? I forgot. It was kind of a weird roll up. It, it's like they did that. They go in the corner, mm-hmm. like Anderson was going to the top, like he was gonna do a top rope move, and then Drake runs up to the rope like Kurt Angle used to do, mm-hmm. like he was gonna suplex him off. Then they they stop each other. They do a little back and forth thing. Drake, uh, and then Anderson goes for a power bomb, but he's not able to, you know, throw him. Yeah. And then it's like Drake just just lands on him and kind of folds him up and pins him. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. that was it. Um, another thing to mention, since uh, if you haven't noticed, you don't hear Cornette's voice anymore, but uh, Stu Bennett which was Wade Barrett in the WWE, is now the color commentator for NWA. And I, I messaged Zach, and I was like, it's not clicking, but he kind of, I think it was more of trying to see how him and Joe would do, and then he started to pick up later in the show. I, I mean, I thought he was doing pretty good at the start. It's just maybe they had to get their... uh their chemistry going so to speak mm-hmm. which they did and it ended up being really really well so i was really surprised about that but really there wasn't a lot more to talk about in this match because again it was a bunch of holds a lot of old school wrestling going on and then eli drake started to pick up some heat and then he won and then it just, it just ended that's how three quarters of this show goes. <laughs> yeah, so I, I uh, put, but it was still okay to watch. I thought it was a little slow for a, you know, opening match because I would think you, you know, as a pay per view called Into the Fire, you want to come out guns blazing. Into the fire. Yeah. yeah. This was more of tiptoeing through the fucking fire. So I gave this a six point five zero at a ten. I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. Yeah, cool. So we're on the same page on that one. Uh, after this one, uh, there was a little Nick, all this uh, promo. Um, I messaged you again, and I said, wow, like Nick is really the face of the company. He, mm-hmm. I miss when promos sold their pay-per-view. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, when he cuts a promo, it comes off very natural, and, like, he's not, like, overacting or or anything like that. He's just very, usually he's, he's fairly collected, and, like, he speaks very clearly, mm-hmm. and uh, when he makes a point, he makes it very, very clear as well. I think the only thing that confuses me is, like, he, he, he sways on what he's going to be. Like one minute he's like full full face like a baby face of the company, and then on another hand he's like a little bit healed because he's telling his woman to stay in the back. You know what I mean? But when he was telling his woman to stay in the back, that's because he wanted that to be a one on one contest. Mm-hmm. That's not really a heelish move, is it? <laughs> but he also, when he goes into his promos, he does this like I guess this Ric Flair kind of thing where he's like, "I'm the best." Woo! like nobody can beat me because usually mm-hmm. usually he heels are like that because faces are more like i'm the champ and i'll face anybody anytime they want and nick aldis kind of does a little bit of both you know what i mean 
I think that's interesting actually, because, uh, it's to me, it does kind of continue where booking was going from the attitude era on Mm. where there were a little bit more shades of gray in the characters. And that's to me, that's like kind of what's going on here is like, you have a guy who I think believes in this company and stuff and wants to help rebuild it. Mm Mm-hmm but he also wants to continue being the face of it, continue to represent it himself. Yeah. And he gets the prestige of being champion and all that, you know. Mm. And what Nick really does well, which other companies don't really do well, and and I'm even taking a shot at Chris Jericho, even though he calls himself the La Champion. Um, but to me, when he says I'm the late champion, it kind of feels like in a joking way and uh, I know that's what Jericho is, but like Nick Aldis makes his title prestigious and it makes it important that n- nobody else could have it but me because I am the best. Uh, Jericho Jericho does it in a, in a funny comedy way, and I laugh all the time because Chris Jericho he could turn anything into a merchandise or to a fucking meme in general when he has a little bit of the bubbly and a little uh, champion, yeah. like. To me, I think the number one wrestler who makes their company feel important and make their championship feel important is Nick Aldis. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Yeah, because he's really good. I want to say he's probably the most well-rounded wrestler out there. Even though like he does a little slow in the ring, but that's NWA style. Yeah. I mean, when, when he goes fast, he goes fast when the pace needs to pick up. Mm-hmm. Usually is what happens. Then James Storm came out in this at, at, when he was doing that promo too, and he cut a promo. Yeah, I wrote th- I wrote this down in my notes. I said James Stor- Storm doing his hick promo, but it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> he got fucking angry and he got hyped, mm-hmm. and it was like so. It's like you got the contrast there too. Like Nick Aldis is usually fairly calm and collected. James Storm comes out, starts yelling. And, and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I like, by the way, I like that they kind of continued the style from power a little bit where it's like people will come out and cut a short promo before a match or something. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. That mixes it up more. It's, that's kind of like sort of like when WWE started doing the promos after a match, they used to never do that, you know, uh-huh. like that never happened. And then, it, like, one time on a pay-per-view, they just did it. They started doing it. I'm like, huh, well, that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, because that's when they start reading, like, Twitter and stuff. And they're like, man, I wish, you know, they would go back to old-school promo promoing. And then they started doing that, you know, picture-in-picture promos where they just, like, shoot a promo and a camera and that's it. Yeah. And I kind of wish they, they kind of still do that here and there, but it's just they're not good at promos. Or, the, or as like Moxley put it, it's just the writing is not good. No, it seems like there's a very, very specific direction they usually want you to follow. And then it's like, apparently some people can circumvent the direction they have that permission. Mm-hmm. They're trusted. And then, uh, then you have people that are just good at it. They're good at navigating those waters. And then you have people that just go along with it. And then you have people that just aren't fucking good at it. And they can't do it. Yeah, they go along with it, just like, oh, I'm just going to collect a paycheck and do this stupid script. You know what I mean? It just, yeah. 
That's where Stone Cold said you got to grab the brass rings and take it to the top. And mm -hmm. I haven't seen anybody do that in the WWE lately. Not one. Uh, I mean, I maybe in NXT. I mean, NXT is a different animal than the main roster. Sure, yeah, for sure. Uh, but And another thing I wrote, I said... I love that NWA, when they do their promos, they're literally, like, within arm's length, and they don't do this stupid WWE where, they, you know, I'm going to do a promo, and then we're going to have this fucking brawl every time. Yeah. They just, they all walk to the back together. Well, one mm -hmm. go, one goes ahead, and then the other one goes later. Yeah. So I, I, I thought that was pretty cool. And then the next match was Ta Tasha Steele's and then it's spelled with S-T-E-E-L-Z versus Z. versus Dunder, Dunda Rosa. Rosa. You gotta fucking... I can't roll my R's. Rosa. There you go. Um, Adam Cole is a special guest referee. <laughs> I don't know who that guy is, but like somebody... I saw the chat start saying, Adam Cole, oh my God. And like <laughs> I, my, my a window was minimized at the time. Mm -hmm. And you know, honestly, if you're just looking at him like at a glance, that does look like fucking Adam Cole with a man bun. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, and then there was like a better shot. I was like, oh, okay. He still kind of looks like him a little bit. Yeah, if you, <laughs> if you do a quick glance, but like when you start like staring at him and he starts becoming just a surfer dude. I guess. He starts becoming Adam Cole's stunt double. Yep. <laughs> um, I think you were getting snacks at this time. But Tasha Steeles did a little promo. She did, huh? Yeah, I must have missed that. Yeah, and uh, the guy that I keep on forgetting his name, but the the Spanish guy that I call him the Reggie of wrestling, David Marquez. David Marquez. Okay, he he came up to her and he's like, "Well, this is your debut. Do you have anything to say to the NWA?" And she started off really well. And I don't know if it's companies that do this or just because people have a influence in Eddie Guerrero. But um, she did like, I'm Puerto Rican and I got that Latina heat. And I'm like, oh, why don't you be your own person? You know, make your own identity. Stop doing this influence bullshit. Yeah, Thunder Rose is obviously for Mexico, but she doesn't do that shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. And then, like, her promo started off strong. And then I was like, oh, why is she trying to identify as Eddie Guerrero? I get it that she's Latina and that's her culture and stuff. And that's funny because her slogan every time she does a move is that that's culture. And she did, like, a stunner kind of thing. I don't know. But um, she did this thing. Oh, I don't know how people today say it, but... It was weird. <laughs> yeah, I was making popcorn when that happened, I think. Yeah, so I was like, ah. Oh. I was like, she she kind of looked like a, like Sasha Banks before she started becoming like a Fruity Pebble. <laughs> so, like, I was like, oh, man, I'm, maybe I'll dick, you know, her look. Maybe she's going to be a serious Sasha Banks. And then it's like, nah. Um... One thing I want to say is that Rosa carried this match from start to finish. Yeah, very shortly after the match started, 
I was able to really tell that's what was going on because <laughs> I steals Tasha steals timing is like kind of off and mm. she's like she was a bit slow in a couple spots and then she executed some moves kind of awkwardly it's like <clears throat> they weren't communicating and she hesitated every time she was gonna do her move yeah there was that one spot specifically where I saw like okay this is what's going on because like uh, I think Rosa got thrown all the way to the other turnbuckle mm-hmm and I think she was supposed to kind of like no sell it and run back, but I think she saw that uh, Tasha wasn't ready, so she kind of slow ran. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she slow ran back to her so she could eat her offense, whatever it was she did. I don't know. It was a fucking drop kick or something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't. This was really like kind of a borderline squash, though. Mm hmm. Because uh, Tasha Steeles didn't get that much offense in. She did like a, a clothesline, a, a drop kick, a weird running stunner. What is it w- with wrestlers today that have to do this like pistol bullet club bullshit? Have you? Because bullet club, brother, is cool. <laughs> do your own thing. It's like the too sweet. You do the wolf. You do the wolf thing. Too sweet. It's like they always have to do this, like, fucking point the gun and then do your move kind of thing. And then you wear the, when is Suck It going to come back? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the only one that needs to come back. But <laughs> don't, don't worry, Xbox going into the Hall of Fame. He'll bring back the Suck It chop. Um, but <clears throat> I don't know. Like, then, like, the match ended and... Ashley Vox came out because Rosa started beating Steels down after she was done. Mm-hmm. And then she tried to stop her, and then like Rosa overpowered her and fucked her arm up and did an arm bar. <laughs> yeah. Other notes that I have here is I love how Thunder Rosa is just brutal on everything she does. Yeah, everything she does looks like it hurts. It's very fast, and everything's executed really well. And what was that fucking submission? Like she like it looked like she was like pod racing her. <laughs> um, Eddie Guerrero used to do that actually. And I can't remember the name of it anymore because I haven't seen it in so long. That's the last time I've seen that move. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't even I don't know the proper name for it, but I think I can remember WWE calling it like the Mexican stretch or something. <laughs> I'm sure it has a way better name than that. I'm sure it's like some kind of lucha move, and it has a way better name. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he used to do that where and he'd walk them over the corner and like bump their head on the bottom turnbuckle, but he'd do it like multiple times or something. Shit. But uh I was like, fucking that's fucking cool. Yeah, she did some cool stuff in this match. Yeah, so, so what I what I liked about this match is even though like Steels wasn't that great, Rosa made it good. Mm-hmm. And uh it had a little story uh ending to it. So I gave this match a 6.75 out of 10. Oof, I gave it a 5.75 out of 10. Oh, we're a little different. Not not too far. Usually in our ratings, like I'll be like 8, and you'll be like, oh, man, that fucking blew. <laughs> I gave it a 5. It was 5. Yeah, I think that happened one time. <laughs> yeah, so um, after that, we had a like mini promo before the question mark match. Um, question mark came out with student Stevens and, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he came out in the gi, uh, Stevens and 
what did he call his Mongrovian uh they're yeah they're performing the Mongrovian flag ceremony mm. and the Mongrovian national anthem <laughs> um that's when I messaged you because it, it felt like question mark was doing like an Asian voice to the the yeah. national anthem and I'm like oh my god the SJWs are gonna go fucking nuts over this so I guess we'll see if that happens. And there's another thing that we'll talk about later that might trigger some people. But I thought it was funny. I was going to ask you because we haven't, I don't think we've done another show since the question mark had showed up and we both fell behind a little bit on power. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the question mark? Uh, I actually, it's kind of funny since he's doing this thing with Aaron Stevens do you remember the Miz when he had his stunt double and it was uh, when Sandow was his stunt, stunt stunt double thing and every time Miz like tried to get a cheer from the crowd, uh, Sandow got a cheer. Of course, that was hilarious. They're kind of doing that with him, if you haven't noticed. Like every time Stevens puts his hand up, everybody boos, and every time Question Mark puts his hand up, everybody cheers. So I've noticed with that. I don't know where this question mark thing is going to go, but obviously it's Joseph, Josephus, whatever his name is. Josephus. Yeah. <laughs> and this is obvious. This is kind of like, because uh, I think Billy Corgan had talked at some point about how they want to try to like capture some of meme culture or whatever mm -hmm. in their, in their product. And they've done that in a few different ways. And I think this is another one of those ways because the question mark is just, kind of like a comedy act a little bit mm. and he's kind of a meme because he's like this weird wrestler he, he's dressed almost like an old 70s 60s wrestler like a masked wrestler yeah, and kind of like he does kind of like the shocker just without the epic fail the shock master yeah yeah shock master <laughs> and then then like like the assassins are an example of that or, or something or mr wrestling or maybe they're, maybe they're making fun of the Dark Order. <laughs> <laughs> it could be, but uh, and he does like all this exaggerated like shit. Like his offense are like martial art strikes, quotation marks. <laughs> Karate. Karate. But it's like I guess you have to get into this kind of question now. Is question mark okay as a comedy wrestler compared to, say, Orange Cassidy? Yes. Because he could wrestle. That's what I say too. Because like I, I got questioned about that too. Because I was talking, I'm talking about the question mark. So many questions. There's just it just raises too many questions. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, he's like, you don't like Orange Cassidy, and you like that. I'm like, no, man. The difference is, is because question mark is actually trying to hurt his opponent. It's just he's over the top about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Orange Cassidy is just like, I don't even give a fuck. I'm just, I'm play kicking you. And then he usually gets stuffed. Yeah, kind of a side note, by the way. Um, they really need to either acknowledge that Orange Cassidy is a joke. Like a joke joke. Like they need to stop doing this. Oh my God, Orange Cassidy's here. He's hurting his an opponent. And I'm, I'm more of... Saying that to Excalibur than Jr. and Tony because Jr. and Tony are probably like this is this is terrible. They no sell that shit every time he's on there. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
but they need to stop doing it. And the <clears throat> Jurassic Express or whatever the fuck they're called. Yeah. Need to get rid of Marco Stunt. They need to drop him quick. And then if they're not going to drop him, just let him be like little mascot, dude. He can be like Sp- Spike Dudley, except he's fucking even smaller than Spike Dudley. If you want to just do like sympathy spots where it's like, I don't know, somebody fucking beats up Marco Stunt or something, mm-hmm. that's fine. Or like do an assisted move, like fucking Luchasaurus throws Marco Stunt at somebody, like Puck and fucking uh, Sasquatch. And, you know. <laughs> and don't put Luchasaurus on the microphone because he sounds like a literal Ninja Turtle. Honestly, like when you said that, I was like, okay. And then I heard him talk. I was like, oh my god, he's right. <laughs> but honestly, I don't hate it. I kind of like it. I kind of like that he sounds like a Ninja Turtle. It's right in some kind of weird way. <laughs> because he's a dinosaur. And I love, yeah. and I love that <laughs> Jericho went on commentary and he's like, you do know dinosaurs are not real, right? Because he, he kicked off Excalibur and uh, Tony. That was amazing. And um, oh man, because we haven't been talking about wrestling for a while. Jay, I love Jr. But I just feel like he's old, and either a, they need to have Tony be more of the main commentating, and have Jr. like color a little bit, because having three main commentators try to like talk is weird. I've never been like a fan of the three man booth. I don't really like it because mm-hmm. it causes people to step over each other and shit. That's why I like NWA. It's literally two people. But, yep. But but back to uh, good wrestling. Um. So they they do this ceremony, and Trevor Murdoch comes in, and mm-hmm. I, I was like, he has a cool. He has a pretty cool entrance. He's like, I'm from Texas, motherfucker. Here's my uh, shirt, and obviously he's a little more heavy set. Uh, that's another thing I think NWA kind of needs, and they are upgrading. By the way, they they have people that are in good shape, but they also have like a a good handful that are just like a you know chubby fat guy wrestler. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of like main uh, or casual people don't watch it. We don't need casuals, by the way. I'm not saying that NWA needs to get some casual fans in there. But if they did ever want to expand, I think they need to have a little more, uh, you know, tone to their tone to their muscles. But uh, Trevor Murdoch is fucking cool. His wrestling is uh, amazing for a big big guy. Oh yeah, he's solid. Everything he does looks really good, especially his punches and shit. Mm-hmm. When he punches guys, it looks legit. Yeah, and uh, Trevor got some strength too. Like he picked up a uh, question mark with no problem. Yeah, it seemed like he didn't even sweat that, and also his selling is good too. Trevor Trevor Murdoch sells really well. Like when he gets hit, he fucking sells it good. Yeah, he's just a real solid, like old school style wrestler. That's how he wrestles. And uh, this is where I messaged you and I said, "Oh, Stu is starting to become like a a heel commentator," because he made a comment to Joe that. Uh, because Joe was like, oh, I don't agree with you. And Stu was like, you better agree with me. That's the worst mistake if you don't agree with me. <laughs> and I was like, yes. 
we finally have a heel commentator. <laughs> An actual heel. Um, seems like it. Yeah, it seems that's the direction they're going in with him. And this this was also another short match. Uh, literally, it was like back and forth for a while. And then when one side started to go and pick up steam, that's when Student Stevens came in with the assist and uh, tried to distract Trevor Murdoch. And that, what did the question mark hit him with again? He hit him with the double Mongrovian spike, <laughs> which is his finisher is the, called the Mongrovian spike. Mm-hmm. And basically he makes like the devil horns with his hand. And he throat thrusts you. <laughs> That's awesome. And that, I remember the first time he did it, I laughed my ass off. He did it to like that. They have that weird fucking low card looking Canadian guy in NWA. I can't remember the guy's name. <laughs> <clears throat> but like he did it to him and that guy sold it like a champ. He did a fucking backflip. <laughs> it looked like he landed almost on his face when he did it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, and the, the commentary sold it. They're like, Oh my god! <laughs> and Jim Cornette was like, "That that martial arts strike." <laughs> he didn't know what the fuck to call it. <laughs> but he did one earlier in the match to Trevor, and he kicked out of it. And I was like, "Oh no!" He kicked out of the Mongrovian spike. He, just, he did a double one that time. Mm. And that's another thing that NWA does really well in their pay per views. They don't need to do like finisher after finisher after finisher after finisher. No. <laughs> it's wrestling. And when the big guns come out, that's when they either get they sell it like they're actually really, really hurt, or you know, they're actually finished and the match is finished. And this was another thing, you know, when he did that double Mongrovian spike thing. He won the match because he used a double instead of a single. <laughs> double effective. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other notes about this match? Um, All I got is it was just kind of a fun comedy match. Mm-hmm. And it showed that question mark isn't totally unstoppable when he goes against like a more serious opponent. Because so far question mark was just kind of beating up jobbers. Yeah. And I was kind of curious, like, where they were going to establish him in terms of, like, how effective he is. Because, I don't know, it's, like, this. it's weird because they have, like, one comedy. Well, I, I consider Aaron Stevens, honestly, another comedy wrestler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was just kind of curious where they were going to put him at on the pole, so to speak. Yeah, they're both definitely, like, I, I kind of don't want to see Aaron Stevens get the world championship because... It's going to look silly with his character getting the belt. But then again, he has the national champ. Uh, but spoiler. Oh, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. To be continued on that conversation. Yeah, a little bit later. <laughs> so what did you rate this match? 5.25 out of 10. Oh, shit. Uh, this is where we we, we, go, we go a little uh, big gap here. I give it a 7.0 because... <laughs> really? Yeah, because I don't know. The the seriousness of Trevor Murdoch and, like, the comedy between Question Mark and Student Stevens, it didn't, it didn't insult my intelligence like WWE or AEW. 
So. No, they didn't really do anything like that. And let me let me reiterate. When I rate something fives or something, that's average. That doesn't mean it was bad. Mm. It was just like it was. It was just a little bit above average for me because it was just. I think it was. It. Uh, I don't know. It just didn't really do anything big for me. It was just kind of funny, and I was able to move on. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little bit more on the entertainment side of things i think zach is a little bit more on the technical side of things a little bit but he does appreciate the entertainment i'm 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 guessing no like i i love the the ceremony thing i was i was laughing mm. and stuff and it's like i i don't know i just think like uh i think that it ending suddenly was like another thing maybe because mm-hmm. this match ended very suddenly too yeah because right when you think it's oh man this this is gonna take a while and then all of a sudden boom finisher move done yeah i like i like my entertainment it's just uh i don't know it's uh i'll get into this later on as we go like i've got some other things to say like post show so to speak yeah but yeah uh next match rock and roll express with kingston and homicide versus wild cards with the dawsons this was a little weird to me Mm-hmm. Again, I haven't been watching the shows a while, so I don't know if they bonded during the uh, the past couple of episodes. But like having, I felt like this was like, oh, let's just have the tag team division out there to show that you know we have a tag division. If that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Um, I made a couple of comments to you about like. Rock and Roll Express are really fucking old, and they are. <laughs> when you're facing people like the Wild Cards and Dawson's, like they should be uh, demolishing them or at least breaking their hip. <laughs> That's you think that, but honestly, the psychology of the match is the way they're going. It makes it believable mm-hmm. because, yeah, they get beat up a, a bit. But what usually ends up happening, it looks like to me, now that I've seen two matches, is that they underestimate them and goof off for a bit, and then they take advantage, rock and roll, take advantage, and get a win. Yeah, I wrote this in my notes. I said, I like how the wild cards sell to make rock and roll express seem believable in this match. Because, yeah. Because there was points where, you know, they would run into each other, or Ricky Morton was like, quick to get out of the way it was not more of like you know i don't know how to put this that i I am strong and i could defeat you it's more like i can outsmart you kind of thing it was outwitting it was like experience it's like that that part where like ricky morton got ran to the opposite corner and they they like like they thought they were just going to beat the fuck out of him in the corner and he quickly got out of the corner Mm -hmm. like onto the apron was like no brother i've been around too long fall for that shit (laughs) I didn't really dig the whole um, I'm gonna Irish whip you into the ropes and that we're both gonna fall to the ground and then you're gonna like hopscotch over us like I thought that was a little lame to me. I thought that spot was kind of silly too yeah and then uh, when Ricky Morton fucking did that sweet ass Canadian destroyer I was like yes <laughs> <laughs> I still think it's crazy that Ricky Morton's doing Canadian destroyers and suicide dives I was like what the fuck <laughs> When he did it in AEW, when uh, he did it to, uh, I forgot who it was. Was it Ortiz? 
It was, I think it was Ortiz. It was one of them. Mm -hmm. And he kind of slipped and kind of botched it a little bit. But this one, he 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 did it fucking good, like mm -hmm. like Adam Cole good. <laughs> and um, nothing really to say. Like they they do, they did a couple of that silly uh, running into each other out smarting. And then I remember texting you saying, "Oh, this is where the." Uh, the rest break happened so that they could all catch their break because all the teams on the outside were starting to fight with each other. Yeah. And then the match ended. Another match ends very suddenly. <laughs> yeah. The shit breaks down. And then like, at some point it looked like the Dawson's beat down outlaw Inc. And like one of them grabbed the chair, like they were going to hit Eddie Kingston. Mm -hmm. And then Royce Isaacs was up there being like, yeah, I fucking hit him. Yeah. And he turned around and ate a double drop kick and just lost. <laughs> Which was their finisher, I think. I think that was one of the Rock and Roll's finishers was the double drop kick. Wow. Yeah. I, look look I, at how far we've come. <laughs> I, I think this match could have been a lot better if it had a little more time. I don't know if there was like a time uh, constraint with Fight TV where they had to be you know, done within two and a half hours. The match that they had on power was better than this, mm -hmm. I thought. Uh, but what do you what do you rate it? Because I don't really have anything else to say. I, I think this one, and I only gave it a little. I'm not giving a good scoring, but I, I gave it a little more scoring than usual because of how the wild cards sold the Rock and Roll Express to be believable in this match. And I guess tag team champions, but I gave this a six point sixty out of ten. Oh, okay. I gave it a five point twenty five out of ten. Not bad. We're about like a point and change. Yeah, we're okay. a point different there. After this, Eli Drake came out for a, a promo, which I thought was weird. I don't know why. I was like, "You just had a match. Why couldn't you do this promo after?" <laughs> she was tired. True. <laughs> He wanted to go back there and drink a Gatorade and rest for an hour. And not, it wasn't even a fucking hour. It was probably like 40 minutes. And change his clothes. Yeah. And uh, he did a good promo. He pumped up the crowd. This was another thing that weirds me out. Is Ken Anderson the heel? Obviously what happens during this promo, he, he's, he's clearly the heel. But when Ken Anderson was with Cole Cabana, were they heel in any way? Because I don't remember him being a heel. No, uh, you didn't catch up, so I think you missed out on this. Uh, now, on, I think it was episode nine, mm -hmm. uh, Eli Drake attacked Anderson after a promo that they, they cut on each other. Anderson walked off or something. Mm -hmm. And then Drake blindsides him from behind and starts beating him down. Then he grabs a turnbuckle, like the actual turnbuckle they use to tighten the ropes and everything from under the ring like it's a spare one it's mm -hmm. like a big piece of metal with like two huge fuck off eye bolts on it mm -hmm. <laughs> and he hits him in the back of the like the back of the neck with it um and he hits him some more and beats the fuck out of him so he attacked him with a weapon and shit and everything after they just got done talking and that kind of set up this match mm -hmm. and then yeah anderson lost the match but I think he wanted revenge for getting attacked from behind with a fucking weapon. <laughs> so he did that. He attacked him with a fucking chair. 
Yeah, and that was fucking brutal, dude. But uh, it's pretty brutal attack. Yeah. Before the attack, uh, Eli Drake, another person that kind of sways into the face and heel when he does his promos here and there, or where, or, or sometimes when he's in the ring, he does little like heelish type things. But again, he's a, he's a face in this one because Ken Anderson and Ken Anderson comes up behind him and like puts the chair on his head and throws him into the uh, uh, turnbuckle. Uh, area yeah the ring posts on the outside yeah and it was fucking i i think this is where joe the announcer like did this weird like muppet scream yeah he was like oh my god you could like hear him like he covered his mouth yeah and then, like there was a there was a good shot though from behind where it showed the announcer desk back there he was standing up and he had like his hands over his face like Britt baker <laughs> maybe he's doing the Britt baker challenge maybe <laughs> Even Adam Cole participated in the Britt Baker challenge. Yeah, but uh, Ken Aaron... <laughs> <laughs> that, that was funny. Uh, but, you know, Ken Anderson, he was start, he started beating up the officials and, like, the both announcers like, this is this is terrible. The officials are not getting beat up. <clears throat> yeah, I guess this is going to continue. I guess this is going to be a running feud. Mm-hmm. Because wasn't Eli Drake next to, you know, face Nick Aldis, I guess? Uh, maybe. That's just, as far as I'm concerned, that's just talk from him. Mm-hmm. Who knows how that works? Yeah, we don't know how the ranking works in uh, NWA. They don't They don't keep tracks of wins and losses and say, this is how they determine this is how you get a title shot. <laughs> yeah. You have to prove yourself to Nick Aldis, apparently, and you get one. I think that's pretty, I, I kind of like that a little bit, like, you're the champ. Obviously, you have rules that you have to follow, or you have to do. You have to defend the title at certain times. But he should be the head honcho on who who he's facing. Yeah, sure, that makes sense. Sometimes it, it's been like that throughout wrestling, and even boxing in general. When you have a belt like that, yeah. Yeah, but th- that's how the segment ends, and people are just like, "Oh my God, Eli Drake is dead," but he's not really dead. Because he'll be back. He'll be back, and he's probably going to beat up Ken Anderson on Tuesday. Uh, next match was Allison K and Mystery Partner versus Melina and Marty Bell. Now, if you've been following this storyline, uh, Marty Bell kind of turned on Allison K uh, because of things and stuff. Just you know. You know, wrestling, there, there's always a turn when best friends are best friends. Uh, first thing I noticed was Melina looking good like she always has been. It's like she never changed or aged at all. Nope, she looks the exact same. And it, it was really, really good. And then um, because Ashley Vox got destroyed by uh, Thunder Rosa, um... Allison K didn't have a partner, and then out of nowhere, an announcement happened that there is a partner, and it's OB- ODB. ODB. <laughs> and the first thing I noticed was her massive tits. <laughs> I mean, that's what you always notice. That's what that's how she is. She wears that weird romper skirt thing mm-hmm. and a push-up bra, and she's drinking a flask, and <laughs> just. I don't know, I always thought she was kind of entertaining. Yeah, she she's definitely good. Um this is where I kinda 
messaged you. I was like, oh, this is another SJW thing because she has a Confederate bandana on her head. I mean, it's you can barely see it because there's so much dazzle and fucking sparkles and shit on the, the bandana. I thought it was really weird that they said, like, she was from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and she was wearing that bandana. <laughs> I'm like, wait, like, <laughs> did you just, like, adopt the South? Is that, like, what happened is, like, eventually you moved South and you're like, you know what? These are my people. Mm-hmm. Well, she, <laughs> she does have a food truck, and I think recently her food truck burned down. And she had, like, a GoFundMe to, like, get more money for her uh, new truck. And I think she's... Obviously, she must be almost there because she wrestled in this pay-per-view. So maybe she got more money to do stuff. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, hopefully she gets gets it fixed and everything. Mm-hmm. But, um... I just, when Allison K was in the ring, it was, like... Maybe it was a storyline where she's like, Oh, I'm getting beat up by Melina... And then tagged in ODB, and by God, does she does she bring the intensity or what? <laughs> ODB, yeah, she's good at that cleanup kind of style. She's she's rough. She does power moves and stuff. She does that Bronco Buster that must have fucking hurt the fucking Marty <laughs> Bell. Yeah, I I always thought her wrestling was pretty solid. She she definitely does not wrestle like most other girls do. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and, like, she's, ODB starts to clean house, and uh, another thing I noticed, obviously, with her boobs, she was clapping her boobs and butt to to, to pump up the crowd. That's what, she's always done that. (laughs) Did you watch her much in TNA before? I watched a little bit. Yeah, I don't know, she was there for a while, Mm -hmm. but every time I, I, like, every now and then I poop peek in to check on tna and be like oh odb's there and i was like i'd see what she'd do real quick she's funny <laughs> and then i'd be like okay i'm done <laughs> yeah but this was another match that again was starting to pick up because of odb and then it just ended another match ends suddenly and there's really nothing to say and i, I do you have anything else to say about this match um let's see uh Allison K had some pretty solid offense in this match. Mm-hmm. I still remember when she had like that really good match in May Young Classic. I think that was against Mercedes Martinez. Yes. I yeah. Think. I think they had like a 20 minute match or something. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. I, remember, um, I remember that match. That was cool. I was looking forward to see how Molina would do. Cause I don't know if she's really wrestled any since she's been out. She had like a little, like simple moves in that match. It wasn't like enough to be like, oh, she's, you know, she's still got it. You know what I mean? Oh, no. If anything, I think it's the opposite because it seemed to me like she kind of executed the things a little sloppy. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. They like her and Marty Bell tried this double team thing on Allison K and like she kind of fucked it up. And she tried to do a DDT later and kind of fucked that up too. And, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not bitching her out or anything. I'm just like, eh, maybe she's just. It's been a while because that's why I'm saying I don't know what she's been doing. You know. Mm-hmm. So eh, I'll give her give her a chance. Give her some time to maybe sort it out. Uh, what do you rate it? Uh, I gave this a six point six five out of ten. I give this a 5.5 out of 10. Again, because ODB. 
<laughs> I think I just like every time something makes me happy a little bit, I kind of jump up a little bit in points, and ODB kind of made me happy. <laughs> so I try to be as impartial as possible. <laughs> My journalistic integrity is on the line. Gotcha. All right, moving to our. Uh, how long have they been saying co-main event? By the way, I don't really recall them saying it up until this part of the show. No, I'm talking about like in general. Has wrestling always been that way, where it's like this is our co-main event? <clears throat> no. Uh, well, as far as I can remember, no. Uh, I I remember it was mostly like other fans saying that, like in terms of. Uh, like WrestleMania or something Mm -hmm. or like when the women started to have like more kind of main event style matches, but they weren't necessarily the main event. They would say that. I think it takes away from the main event to call this a co-main event. That's just my uh, point of view. Listen, brother, you're either the main event or you're not. Exactly. (laughs) That's just how it is. And that's how CM Punk saw it. And he was fucking right. Mm Mm-hmm. So there. Triple H, you need to wrestle me. I, I don't have to wrestle you. Balls. It <laughs> takes balls to say that. <laughs> but then again, we don't know if that actually he said that. He could be bullshitting, but who knows? He, he could be making it up. I don't know, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next match is the triple threat for the national championship. Uh, we have Ricky Stark, which is uh, Stroke Daddy. Starks. <laughs> Starks. Versus Aaron Stevens or Student Stevens, whatever you want to call him. He's a, he's Aaron Stevens now. He was the student for the first bit. Yep. <laughs> Versus Boom Boom Colt Cabana. And uh, <laughs> I, I made this comment to you on chat where he went up to the, the woman that was sitting down and told her to stand up. Because uh, you're in the front row. It's either you pay attention to the match and you, you, you're happy to be there or just change your fucking seat. I know. That's like, I said that in the chat too. I'm like, man, that's like when I see people who get front row seats and they're like fucking around their phones, not paying attention to shit going on. Mm-hmm. That pisses me off, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, but he did it in a nice way. I mean, maybe she might see it as embarrassing because she, he went up to her and told her to stand up. But he like he's like yay and like slapped her five and everything, but then then again when I was looking later on in the match he was like sitting there with a puss, like I don't think she wanted to be there. Maybe that or maybe she felt bad. Maybe she has a handicap and she it's not good for her to stand up. Maybe Colt Cabana wasn't considering that. They don't get front row. It's po- her husband dragged her there. I don't know. Get the handicap section in the, you know, in like the top area where there's a platform. Also, Ricky Starks did some interactions with women in the crowd that was like, "Whoa, man, you might get in trouble for that at some point." <laughs> yeah, he took this girl's like, uh, like hoodie hat or whatever, and um, like kissed, kissed her. her on the forehead. Yeah, I, and I, I watched her face expression. She, it didn't like she like tried to pull away but she was shocked that it happened i think she was just surprised at it It didn't look like she was mad or anything mm-hmm. but then again she's like uh, uh, what like that like that would probably be the thing you would expect the least <laughs> yeah and bold move from him by the way hopefully that's a plant 
Maybe. Or he like, also kissed some chick's hand in the crowd down there at the bottom. That's more... But then again, I don't, with this society, you touch like a, a toenail and that's like sex or whatever. <laughs> but uh, like that would be more casual in my opinion, like kissing the hand and all that stuff. But like when he when he kissed the forehead, I was like, oh, she <laughs> she might look at that as rape. Somebody somebody did that something to that same chick later in the night. I think it was it might have been Colt. It might have been right after that. Mm-hmm. He came out and then he like patted her on the head or something, mm-hmm. and then she was like, "I could tell what she she th- was saying after that happened. She didn't look mad. She was just like she readjusted her beanie or whatever she was wearing, mm-hmm. and then she's like, "Why do people keep messing with my hat?" <laughs> it's like I think that's what she said. <laughs> Maybe they were all pecking on her because she's a hipster, and why would you wear a fucking beanie inside? Maybe it's cold in Atlanta right now. Maybe it's 59 degrees, and that's freezing for them. Maybe Billy Billy Corgan should put more money into heat. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the heating situation is in the GPB studios. but I mean, if there was more heat, I guess we'd be seeing more sweat. Oh, there was, there, there was one line um, that Stu Bennett said, and he's like, these guys are not breaking a sweat. And I looked at their forehead, and they're sweating. <laughs> I was like, God damn it. Why would you make that comment? But that's just a small comment. Um, again, what I liked about this match is how they infused the comedy with seriousness. I really liked the teamwork that Colt and Ricky were doing with Aaron Stevens. Yeah. Kind of making him to look like a joke. So far, he's been a joke. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when they were doing the teamwork thing, they were just, like, showing off, you know, like, hitting the chest and doing the... I can't... I keep on losing words. What What? What is... A chop. There we go. A chop. They were doing the, the Ric Flair chop. Woo. And uh, <laughs> they throw Aaron Stevens out of the ring, and he goes behind, hiding behind the Christmas tree. <laughs> I got a laugh out of me. Like, yeah, he, he got rolled out or thrown out at some point, and I guess he crawled over there behind that Christmas tree, and he was just like looking past it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just, the, my favorite thing about that is they just ignored him. They just started having a match with themselves and just fucking forgot about him. Yeah. And then when Colcabana and Ricky Starks were having a one-on-one kind of thing going on. I like that they mixed a little bit of old school, you know, wrestling with modern wrestling because it had a little high pace to it. Uh, Colt was more of the strength and Rick Stark, obviously, obviously because of his, you know, small size, he was doing a little bit of like jumpy things to do. A little bit more of the speed. Yeah. And then I always see Aaron Stevens just being the comedy heel hiding most of the match. Being the shitbag heel who runs in and takes advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you, what you're probably going to say is, like, when Aaron Stevens starts to turn it up a little bit, he's brutal. Yeah. he get, His shit can look pretty vicious, and his stuff looks good when he does it. Mm-hmm. This was like, damn, there it is. Yeah. That, like, because he, he hadn't really done that yet up to this point. Yeah. And then that's when the whole... Uh... Mongrovian karate stuff was happening when he was doing like the poses. I started. Yeah. 
funny they also got one in on the christmas tree like i think joe galley said we imported that pine directly from Mon- mongrovia mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like okay you're putting over the tree now like, <laughs> uh there were times where i forgot question mark was there maybe that's a good thing yeah he didn't yeah because then he would have been like overshadowing the match and shit because he's really over mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, he only interfered, like, one time, I think. Or, no, twice. He did it twice. Mm-hmm. There was, like, and it both times it happened, like, really fast. It was just, like, I, I think Colt was out there around the side or something. Like, he was hanging off the rope at one, one point. And then he just palm strikes him in the face, and he kind of, like, falls out of the ring. <laughs> and then the second time, that's how, this is how the match ends, kind of. Yeah. Like, he, he was hanging, I think it was Starks hanging over the rope. I can't remember now. I think I wrote it down here. I think it was Starks, yeah. Yeah, he was hanging on the bottom rope, and then he, he hits the Mongrovian spike on Starks, and then he just kind of, like, falls back into the ring. <laughs> like, bleh, and then, like, Steve, Steve gets the pin, and he steals it. Mm-hmm. Uh, before uh, Aaron Stevens steals it, the atomic drops were uh, spot was good too, where they were just like giving the atomic drop the whole time because uh, Aaron Stevens did the low blow to Cole Cabana. Because that's a legal low blow for some reason. I could never figure that out. Why is that legal? Oh, here's another thing about like <laughs> rules enforcement, by the way, which they did follow throughout the whole thing, but. In NWA, does triple threat mean not not no DQs? Because every time uh, somebody would get thrown out of the ring, like Ricky Starks or Cole Cabana, like the commentators kept on saying, "Well, question mark can't touch him." Um, that kind of varies depending on who's running the the match, like what company's doing it. Mm -hmm. Uh. The rules that I always understood for a triple threat was it's like, I think it's no holds barred. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like in WWE, like a triple threat is loosely like a- almost like a hardcore match. But it has to uh, be done in the ring. It can't be like false count anywhere. I mean, they don't really count anybody out. It's just like they don't, they won't allow them to like go all over the place. It's weird. There's really no established hard. These are the rules for a triple threat other than somebody can pin somebody else and you, you don't even win or you submit them or something. That's kind of it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, this was one of the matches that were kind of longer throughout the whole show. I mean, obviously the main event was a little longer because it's best, uh, two out of three matches. Um, but like this actually had a good pace there was a beginning there was like a middle and there was an end it was not more of like a beginning of a match and then whoop we're done kind of match oh i messed up the ending what actually happened was cabana goes for the superman pin on starks Mm -hmm. and then that's when question mark hits him with the spike because he was like near the bottom rope there yeah and then Stevens comes back in and uh, question mark pulls Starks out of the ring and pins Cabana. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he he interfered three times. Well, he had to pay it back 
for uh, Stevens helping him out. I guess so. But I, I rate this match because it was a little longer, and I kind of was entertained by pretty much everything in this match. And I thought, I thought the wrestling was solid, even though Aaron Stevens is kind of like a joke, uh, and now he's the national champion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I gave this a seven point fifty out of ten. I gave it a seven point zero out of ten. Oh, not bad. Pretty close. Yeah. All right. Now the main event. The only main event. There ain't no co's. It's nope. the the main event. Nick Aldis versus James Storm. That's two out of three. Uh, and the stipulation with this one was they get to pick uh, their referee. James Storm picked uh, Hebner's kid, which was Bill Hebner? Brian Hebner. Brian Hebner. And Nick Aldis picked uh, Tim Storm. And uh, me and Zach were going... We were chatting about, like, oh, maybe Camille is going to be part of the story, which she was, or maybe she was going to go with James Storm, which still could be a possibility uh, down the road. Or we also thought maybe Tim Storm, well, I thought Tim Storm might do something because, uh, you know, obviously Nick Aldis beat him. He can't compete for the title anymore, and... Maybe they were going to do some type of storyline since he was the referee. Maybe he was going to screw Nick Aldis, but uh, let's get their first match or the first fall. Uh, Not a lot of stuff happened in this one. This was another I'm going to wear you down and then do a couple holds here and there. And then Camille came out and then Nick Aldis is like, what the hell are you doing here? And then James Storm hits him with the super kick. Yeah, they just did some okay, pretty good chain wrestling, and then that happened. It was first fall, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was hard to tell why Camille came out. I still kind of think it might have been better if James Storm picked Camille as the referee. Yeah, I, I think so. And the whole, you know, her whispering in his ear, like that's where I, I go. Maybe this is going to be a storyline where she does end up going with James Storm down the road. Yeah, maybe. Because I think James Storm is going to make a big thing that you hit... Heb- oh, well, I'm going ahead here. <laughs> we'll talk about yeah, that. This... We'll talk about that later in the match. Yeah, then they go into getting the second fall ready. Tim Storm comes in, and, and he called for the bell when Nick Aldis wasn't even ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was, like, still trying to get up, and... Yeah, Storm just starts, James Storm, I gotta start addressing them by their first names. Mm-hmm. Starts beating him down, he drags Aldous all around the outside, he throws him in the stairs, and he suplexes him on the floor, that looked like pretty brutal. Yeah. He bounced pretty badly on that one. And then, uh, J- James Storm was thrown into the Christmas tree. That was funny, then the crowd said Merry Christmas. Yes. <laughs> which was funny. <laughs> and this was another... Round that pretty much Nick Aldis had a couple of moves, but James Storm was beating the shit out of him again. And a little, a little more stuff happened in this one. Yeah, but not enough to be like, oh, he's gaining, you know, speed. I, I think in the match three or the fall threes when Nick Aldis started picking up a little bit. Yeah, he almost was starting a comeback, and then he got cut off. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was Storm tried to roll Aldous up in a small package. 
and then Nick Aldis reversed it, which was cool. Yeah, I, I almost got worried because uh, Tim Storm, he started counting because <laughs> he went one, two, and then Nick Aldis switched it to his small package. And I thought he was going to go three, but then he like looked up and he saw that Nick Aldis was doing the pin, and then he like restarted again with one, two, and three. And I was oh, like, I see, most experienced referees make that that mistake. He didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah that was another quick thing and what what I, what I mean by quick i mean the small package like it it wasn't like a super kick it wasn't like a move it was like a roll-up kind of thing most of the match it was like in the stands it was thrown through a christmas uh tree and it, i thought they were gonna go through the fucking announcer table but then again i was like that's pr- a pretty sturdy table i don't know if you could do that <laughs> No, I I liked how that second fall ended though because you don't really see people reverse a small package and get a win mm-hmm. anymore. Like, being totally honest, I think the last time I saw anybody do that was Bret Hart, <laughs> and it's just because I, I guess the only thing I can think of is because it's kind of hard to tell what happens. Yeah, like if you're real far away, like if the, you're watching it on a TV, you can see. Oh, he shifted the weight, and he's got the pin now. Yeah. Um, in the beginning of the the first uh, or the second fall, I didn't understand what James Storm said because when they were on the outside, like Tim Storm was like, "Hey, you need to get back in the ring," and then like James Storm said, "Whoa, are you gonna call? Are you gonna count us both out?" And I went, "Yeah, he would." That was a reference to what they were talking about. That uh, that oh hell, I forgot what they called that show. There was like a. They called it a spot show or, or some bullshit. And this was referenced in like the promos over the course of the pay-per-view mm-hmm. where apparently James Storm and Nick Aldis had a title match before they started airing NWA power. Yeah. And there was going to be a double count out, but Billy Corgan ran out and said, no, don't do a double count out. This match will continue. And then when they got back in the ring, I think Nick Aldis rolled him up and won, <laughs> like shortly after. And it's like I, he was referencing that, but like I was thinking about that after he, I learned all that stuff because I didn't know about that. Yeah. And I was like, why would you get mad about that? Because you, you would win you both. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, they both would have got counted out, and your your match would have been with a count out, and you'd still be back at square one. Well. Like, <laughs> I see. That's again. I, I I wouldn't know how they would count that because usually when both are counted out, both sides get a point, and James Storm already had a point, so that would put him over, right? Correct. Well, no, I, no, I don't. He was more to me. He was more making a joke about that. What had happened previously? I think is what what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about here is I was just thinking about in terms of the story when they, like, he was really fucking upset that that decision got made. And I didn't, I didn't, didn't totally understand from a character standpoint why. <laughs> it's like you still would have gotten counted out, and then you wouldn't still wouldn't have had a title. Why are you mad? <laughs> like I don't understand that. Yeah. Um. So fall three. Oh, and uh, this was a stipulation: if uh, both men won their matches with their referees, there would be a coin toss. And uh, <laughs> the black referee that came out, I I thought it was funny. He's like, the people in the NWA high, uh, you know, office said, you know, I have to 
you know, do this coin flip. And, like, we know. They said that during the match. Like, fucking flip the coin. <laughs> I think that they shouldn't have uh, announced that would be a stipulation in particular there. Mm-hmm. Because it made it predictable when they said that. Yeah. It's like you automatically knew that there's going to be a third fall. I think they should have just left that out and then be like, then it would have created some more intrigue because if, like, yeah, Nick Aldis gets that second fall, it's like, well, what happens now? Who's the referee? Then he comes out, and then he says, NWA officials say we're going to do a coin toss. Here we go. Mm-hmm. It just would have been a little cooler, you know? I guess they do that because of, you know, how people don't want to wait for something. They just want to put it out there. I don't know. Uh, people need to be, you know, in suspense, in my opinion. They need to stop doing this. I need this shit now kind of mentality you suck all the suspense out of shit and you know it sucks because <laughs> you don't get the big reactions that used to happen mm-hmm. but um i thought it was a little silly um i think I, I think i like your way better or if somehow they did something where like i guess both referees are gonna be refing this third match <laughs> that would be pretty funny if like uh, they both count weird, weirdly, or they bump into each other, or they start fighting. Brian Hebner. or Tim Tim Storm just power bombs Brian Hebner. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the referee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know, but um, the the first thing I noticed in this fall was the Michinoko driver from from Nick Aldis. I was like, sweet, that was fucking yeah. awesome. He just whipped that out like very suddenly, like well, bam! I was like, yes. There it is. It started picking up in the third one. And I love the the backstabber sequence where James Storm missed twice. And people are probably going, oh, that's a botch. No, it wasn't a botch. It was a counter that Nick Aldis did to get out of the backstabber. Yeah, he kept running forward so he wouldn't grab onto his shoulders. Because mm-hmm. that's what happens in that move. Yeah, and uh, when, he, when he finally hit, I was like, nice. Like, it... It felt like an accomplishment for James Storm. Like, yes, I finally got it. <laughs> yeah, he tried it like three times in a row. I figured like he would have spread it out more or something. He's like, nope. I also liked he did that Eye of the Storm. I don't know what that move is usually called. I used to, I remember Sid Vicious used to do it. Mm-hmm. Except when he did it, it looked way more fucking impressive than that one. I think it was, you know, long in a match. I think if he would have tossed him a little bit because he it seems like he just drops him maybe because he's dizzy from like twirling and shit i think he's just too small to pull that move off like that mm-hmm. that's why i said sid's just look better because sid's like almost fucking seven feet tall and he, back when he used to do it he was fucking on the juice <laughs> so he, i've seen him do it he threw like some fucking jobber across the ring one time in like wwf it was incredible yeah but they picked up a lot of steam in this match, and then uh, what did you think of the figure four spot? Because I thought like uh, James Storm started to do it in the figure four sloppy. I was like, oh, what is he doing? <laughs> oh, there's different ways to do it. It's it's uh, he did the the easier way, like the not the he didn't do like the step over spin around shit. He just kind of like sat it down. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like that they did the reverse spot and just didn't immediately break it up. <laughs> Yeah. It was like, oh, there's okay, because that's what always happens in WWE is like, oh, they reversed it. And they don't even get to say, oh, you reversed the pressure. It hurts. It's just like, oh, they reversed it. Oh, and then they roll and then they get to the ropes real quick. It's like, oh, what was the point of reversing it? <laughs> it's just, 
Yeah, and then uh, it was like back and forth kind of stuff, and then uh, I think James Storm was getting uh, more of the hits in, and then Nick Aldis was like chilling by the turnbuckle, and he removed it. And what move did he do to like put him into the turnbuckle? Okay, so like I think what happened there was like. Aldous ate another super kick and kind of spun and just hung on the turnbuckle for a minute. And he, he was like clearly trying to pull it apart there. Storm rolls him up. And then when Aldous kicked out, he forced Storm into the friggin' turnbuckle ring. Mm-hmm. Also, I think we forgot that Nick Aldous leveled Brian Hebner and then Tim Storm was forced to go back into the ring. Oh, yeah. And that's where I thought, like, something was going to happen. Like, either Camille was going to come out since, like, um, Tim Storm was not the official official of that match and do something. Um, But then, like, uh, Tim Storm comes in. And keep in mind, James Storm is, like, knocked out. He's, like, dead. (laughs) He He wasn't moving. And then... And Tim Storm uh, pretty much did the one, two, three, and Nick Aldis was the champion. But they, uh, Stu and Joe on commentator kept on saying, well, is this legal? And, you know, should, you know, Nick Aldis. Well, they were questioning it because he put him in a submission and he was totally unresponsive. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what it was. And he was like, oh, because it's like, well, now he could do that whole thing where it's like what Austin did. It's like, I didn't give up. I passed out. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I like that whole sequence because it makes both look strong. Yeah, it was good. I like that ending. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we had our winner. And I gave this match a 9.30 out of 10. 8.0. See, we're, we're off at a point, but not a big gap. So that's good. Um, then there was a promo with Nick Aldis where... He does this thing where he's like mad at his opponent throughout the feud, and then when he beats him, he's like, "Now I like you and respect you," kind of thing. Have you been noticing that? Yeah, uh, he did it to Trevor Murdoch, I think, in a match. Like he just like, "All right, brother, we're going." And then they fight, and then Trevor Murdoch even cheated against him a little bit in that match. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he pulled the old, "Oh, I'm stuck in the ropes," and he kicks the ropes and it hits him in the balls thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then that, he, Nick Aldis eventually beat him and it was even like kind of like it wasn't like a super decisive win it was like uh, I think Murdoch tried to go to the top rope and do a move and it looked like he fucked up and fell down mm-hmm. wasn't a botch I think that was meant to happen and okay. then Aldis capitalizes and beats him Okay. And then, he, and then he was like after it was over he's like you're a clever bastard and I respect you shake my hand I'm like, <laughs> there it is I like that yeah, because he, because I remember the commentators putting over that Nick Aldis, he they never seen Nick Aldis this pissed off before, over James Storm. I think James Storm just pissed him off because it it's like you know he cut they were cutting promos too before the show that and they were just posting them on the YouTube page, mm-hmm. and he said like, uh, you know in this business there's an old saying the the squeaky wheel gets the grease brother. He even said brother. Like, so I'm not just embellishing on it. <laughs> and James Storm is the squeakiest wheel I've ever heard this entire business. 
because he's talking about how he kept whining and complaining about a conspiracy and shit and whatnot. I don't. And so far, we don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> well, Is there a conspiracy? Well, they're they're playing off of the conspiracy angle now because now they're gonna go like, well, you hit you know my referee in my match. That's unfair. And then you have your referee count the match. Like they could do an angle of that. Yeah, it seems to me like it's gonna continue. Although now I don't know what's gonna happen because steel cage. A, a, a surprise appearance happens oh, after yeah. Nick Alda says, "There's nobody here to challenge me." It, keep in mind, I am pumped for this match, but uh, we're not pumped for this match. Pumped for this person to interrupt Nick Aldis, but at the same time, I'm like you're kind of tiny compared to him. But uh, Marty Scroll. Uh, comes out, and I absolutely lost it when when you hear the whoop whoop uh, in his <laughs> in his theme song. Because uh, when he was with the elite, his thing was uh, uh, they used to do like two sweet whoop whoop, and in his uh, his theme song when they when they used to do the two sweet until they got fucking uh, ceased and uh, desist from uh, WWE. Um, but yeah, Ma- Marty Scroll is in NWA, and there's a lot of I, I actually been researching on Twitter and other sources. Apparently, he's still going to AEW, and this is going to be a short term thing in NWA. Okay, but, but that's just rumors. I mean, because here here's the thing. Uh, you know, the elite, which was Adam Page, fucking Kenny Omega, the Bucks, Cody, and them, and all that stuff. You would think Marty would want to go to AEW with his friends. So I found this weird being just a one-off. He obviously wants to do something in NWA. Maybe he's more of a hardcore wrestling fan. And rather be doing something hardcore wrestling instead of going to a company that doesn't know what identity they want to be. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, he came out, uh, people were fucking going nuts, so that's a good thing, and he went in the ring where all this went, I think all this went in the ring, either before, yeah. before or after. It, it was after, because, like, he was out there on the stage still talking, mm-hmm. and then I think he went into the ring, like, after he came down the steps. Yeah. And they face off, and that ends the show. Although the feed kept going when he's cutting a promo, and that pissed a bunch of people off in the chat when it cut off. <laughs> because they think they're recording for some power stuff. Yeah, the, like I, that's what I thought was going on too. Because like, why did they stop it? And it was like the show ended. They showed the fucking the copyright and the logo and the year. It's it's over. Mm-hmm. It's like obviously this is just being recorded for power, whatever. Yeah, but what we caught a little bit of the promo. He's like, "Well, this is the NWA that everybody's been talking about, and all that stuff, brother." brother. <laughs> so I don't know what this is, con- uh, how this is going to go down. If he's going to be going after the world champion, it kind of seems like it since they kind of ended the show that way. My guess is it will probably lead to a title match. Mm-hmm. But Nick Aldis will beat him. Because now that you said what you said about whatever what Skrull's going to be doing or whatever, mm-hmm. yeah, it seems to me like maybe he is just going to go to AEW. He just came here for like a quick stop. 
because I think his Ring of Honor tr- contracts run out. Yeah, I think he's part of the January free agency. That's pretty huge. A lot of wrestlers are going to be free agents. Interesting. So, it, Tony Khan, if you want to make your product better, make sure you get good wrestlers and not a lot of indie people. I'm just saying. <laughs> Please. And oh, main show. What what is the main show score that you give for everything? Well, before that, there's a couple little things I want to discuss, like just kind of overall thoughts about the show. Okay. So, do you have any just overall general thoughts about the show that you didn't get to make? Uh, I didn't. I th- and I think you're going to go into this. I thought the twenty five dollar price mark for what I got for majority of the show is they stole money from me. I, yeah, I kind of ended up feeling that way. <laughs> I think this should have been at least a ten or fifteen dollars show if you're going to have like those quick matches and like that. Um, I think with a twenty-five dollar price mark, and I mean, obviously, mean you got on sale five dollars off at twenty dollars. Um, I think they should have had the matches go on a little longer, or at least made it somewhat be like, oh, that 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 was a quick match, but it was a quick good match, and we didn't get that until pretty much the last two three matches. <clears throat> Yeah, I thought the undercard was a bit disappointing as a whole because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of them ended so quickly. It left me wanting more in a bad way and feeling a little empty. <laughs> um, I think a lot of these matches could have been on power and weren't pay-per-view caliber because of that. Yeah. I... That's why my scores are so reserved because they weren't bad inherently. Mm-hmm. It was just like a show planning kind of thing, really. Um, which gets to another point I'm going to make. I think they should have cut the match with question mark and Trevor Murdoch. Cause I don't know how long that was. Cause I couldn't tell how much time was elapsing, mm-hmm. but I want to say that match was probably eight or 10 minutes total counting the entrances. It was longer than Mr. Anderson versus Eli Drake. And I believe it was longer than Tasha Steeles and Thunder Rosa. So I think they could have cut that match and gave more time to the Thunder Rosa and Eli Drake and Ken Anderson match. Yeah, like you just even if you want to divide it up evenly to the other undercard matches, you could have given each of those matches like two or three extra minutes and they could have benefited from it probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the Rock and Roll Express and I'm, it's cool that they had a moment on power that was really like probably one of the best moments I've seen in wrestling in a while. When they when they won the title, yeah. <clears throat> uh, but I don't think their run should last very long for the good of the company. So, I'm hoping this was like a cornet kind of thing where we're gonna put the straps on the Rock and Roll Express, and then eventually, uh, one of those tag teams in the tag team division are gonna go over because the Rock and Roll Express are gonna give them give them the belts. Yeah, that could be a good feather in their cap. Mm-hmm. Um, the triple threat for the national title was good, but I think there was just a touch too much comedy in the match. Uh, like, like Stevens is playing more of a buffoon comedic heel than what I thought he would be coming back to wrestling. Mm-hmm. 
like this is just overall thoughts now that I've seen him on power for like nine episodes and this. <clears throat> uh, He's I'll oh, go ahead. I don't know if we brought up, but like they introduced the TV title that they're going to be uh, going for in the next pay-per-view in January. Yeah, I think you said something about it a little earlier, but it was just really brief. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I like the way the title looks. Um, I wonder if it's going to have like the time limit stipulation to it, like some other TV titles have had. You know what I'm talking about? Is that... Um... I, I kind of don't know the rules for the TV title. I wasn't really a fan of the TV title. Well, WCW had a television title. And uh, back in the, I don't know if they had it in the 80s. I can't really remember. Mm-hmm. But in the early 90s, at least, when they uh, had it, they used to, it used to be that there was a hard time limit on the match. It was like 10 or 15 minutes. You had to beat the TV champion in 10 or 15 minutes. And if the time ran out, the champion successfully defended. I like that gimmick. Bring it back. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Um, anyways, if uh, Stevens is entertaining, but I don't think he'll be a very credible champion if this kind of thing keeps up with him being like a total joke. Mm-hmm. I like him a lot. I always have, but I th- kind of feel like he's slipping back into this old routine he did with the Miz and it kind of looks like he hasn't moved on from it or something. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's more of him doing a creative thing or Billy Corgan being like, this was funny when you did it in WWE. So let's try it here in NWA. Um, but I don't know. I think either, because it's kind of weird, because they remember Cole Cabana was kind of a, a comedy wrestler when he came in, and then he became, like, serious for a second, and... He's still kind of serious, yeah. He, he it, well, during a match with him and Ricky Starks, uh, they did a little comedy in there, and I don't know what identity, because when James Storm was the national champion, it was totally serious. Like, I'm going to whip your ass because I'm champion. This is mm-hmm. more, This is more of, like... You know, I'm I'm pretty funny, but I could also wrestle at the same time, and, <laughs> and I hope that's not gonna be their mo for this mid card title. Yeah, um, let's see. Main event was good. It had kind of a slow burn to it, but it had a lot of intrigue spots. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All this stuff just kind of makes me wonder what's gonna happen with James Storm and Camille and Nick Aldis and. Whether or not there is a conspiracy, and that kind of keeps me interested in within the larger story at hand. Mm-hmm. Marty Skrull's a big surprise because of stuff we've said. Like, I'm kind of surprised he's here for right now, but who knows what he's going to do, I guess, really. He's kind of like Pete Dunne with his wrestling style a little bit. He's a little bit on the cruiserweight sty- uh, style of it, <laughs> but he does that strong style British stuff, with, and he does the I'm going to break your finger gimmick. I like that. Okay. See, like that's the other thing about me with him is he's totally unknown to me. Like I know who he is, but I haven't seen any of his work at all. Um, I recommend, even though this was like the tail end before they became AEW kind of thing, but the all in uh, pay-per-view, it was Marty Skrull versus Okada and it was really good. So I recommend seeing that match. Okay. So to me, I think the show was disappointing a little bit because uh, of how it was just put together, I think, mm-hmm. more than anything. It's like it was a little too far gone by, for me by the point the 
co-main event and the main event happened. Mm-hmm. Like, those matches were good, especially the main event, but it was just like, man, like, three-quarters of this show just wasn't as good. Yeah, and I wonder if they were surprised that they were going to get pay-per-view is uh pay-per-view buys in general because they made a big deal during the broadcast of like oh man we're getting so many pay-per-views and i think that kind of surprised them in a way because they're like uh maybe this cornet thing is going to kill us but people still bought their pay-per-view so mm-hmm. yeah and the only problem is is that they didn't deliver on their part yeah because like again nobody did anything wrong in these undercard matches really Mm-hmm. But the only good things I can say about them is <laughs> Thunder Rosa and Eli Drake continue to impress. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that that's it. So, I don't know. Uh, overall, I scored this show 6.0 out of 10. Yeah, we uh, another point difference. I gave this a 7.13 out of 10. Yeah. Um, the only reasons why is because of the last two matches kind of caught my interest a little bit. Um, Thunder Rosa impressed me a lot. Um, yeah, if it wasn't for those two matches, I think I would have been lower. This show, this show would have got scored a lot lower if those two matches weren't as good as they were. Mm Mm-hmm. They, they helped save the show from being a not good show. And it's like, honestly, it's like if I was to tell somebody, somebody asked me, how was the show? And I would tell them, go f- find the main event and watch that. Honestly, that's it. I guess, I guess a positive thing that I could say about their women's division is that it's a lot better than AEW. <laughs> They're doing a lot better job of establishing their people and having more overall like talents around the same level mm-hmm. i think because like i don't know who this ashley vox chick is but she seems okay and uh this new girl if she's signed or not i don't know she seems like she still needs some work yeah uh, what tasha steels or yeah it's tasha steels uh melina everybody well not everybody i guess but people know who she is mm-hmm and she was good even back when, like, the women's wrestling was, like, not good overall. And, I mean, hopefully ODB is going to be staying here for a while because that would be good veterans uh, for the women's division. And there you have Melina, ODB. And... Yeah. I hope she stays. I hope they sign her. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. Allison Kay is good from what I can see. Thunder Rose is really good. They got something with her, I think. That was, like, a... She's like a sleeper hit, I think. I don't because I never fucking heard of her until like she appeared here. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, she's like really good. Like she could just she could to me she's good enough to seamlessly go into WWE. She's that good. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe because what you said about Billy Corgan having like this meme uh, wrestler kind of thing, and that's why question mark is what he is. Um, but why is every company have to have that meme wrestler where they have to be on a main show all the time? I don't know. Like, I'm kind of wondering how much they're going to play up this question mark stuff. Cause like he was in basically two parts of the show and I like it, but I don't want them to like overdo it. Like what WWE does. They find something that people like and then they kill it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, you know, like Santino. Yeah. Santino was kind of funny. And then they just, they, 
overused his comedy shit and eventually people just stopped caring. John Cena. <laughs> um yeah, and it kind of makes me worried that they couldn't do a two and a half hour show really like time management wise and uh they're already announcing another pay-per-view which i thought was really really wrong in my opinion yeah i was kind of surprised by that too uh because AEW is gonna have like looks like two to three month gaps between their shows Mm -hmm. which is fine i think wwe needs to cut back on their fucking pay-per-views they show too many kill the gimmick pay-per-views Yes, I don't want Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. I don't want Money in the Bank pay-per-view or Hell to Sell pay-per-view, especially that one. Mm-hmm. But that one just needs to go away because they can't do a Hell to Sell match anymore. It's too fucking violent. And it's too red. <laughs> it's too red. Especially if the fucking cage is going to be red. God. With Bray, Bray Wyatt's red light. I remember, like, I think Seth was talking about that. Like, somebody asked him about how that match was for him. And he was like, honestly, it hurt my eyes. <laughs> he was like, it was hard for me to get my bearings in there for a while. But Vince McMahon don't care about safety. Because wouldn't you think when you're in a match that could possibly end your life, <laughs> why would you make it dark in a blinding red light? I don't know. Yeah, why would you want to watch it through a virtual boy? <laughs> I, I don't fucking know. I hate it, though. I wish somebody would tell him to quit. Um, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to issue a, a, a statement, a Nick Aldis style statement to, to NWA here. Okay. I'm going to give them a stipulation. I'm going to give you three strikes. If you strike out all three times, I'm not buying another show. That's it. <laughs> um, I'm going to be more harsher. Um, because they're, they're not that much. That's the thing. They're not being like AEW charging full price for a fucking pay-per-view. Well, the problem with their pay-per-views is like, hey, we're going to throw like seven hours of content and it's going to like put you to sleep. Yeah. But th- that that's why I'm being more forgiving because it's like, I don't think it's that forgiving anyway, though. Some people have way more patience than that. But it's just to me, it's like, it was building really good on power. Like I've enjoyed power pretty much so far, except episode eight was bullshit. Mm-hmm. And it seems like I wasn't the only one that thought that. <laughs> and what do you think about maybe uh, they would have to do well on other pay-per-views before they do this. But when they do pay-per-views, like maybe doing other studio arena areas to maybe make it special in some way. Uh, maybe that's possible, but they might also have some kind of deal going on with GPB, mm-hmm. uh, and, and baby steps. Like, I don't think they should be trying to reach too far. It could be like a, a money issue or something. Written buildings out isn't cheap. Yeah. True. Uh, Jim Cornette's talked about it at length and I've kind of come to understand like sometimes like he, he makes a big deal about this. Sometimes he talks about WCW in the late eighties. Mm-hmm. And how they were losing their asses on house shows and stuff. Because uh, after Vince McMahon got WWF really popular in the 80s, he started people started getting in Jim Crockett's ear, or uh, whichever one Crockett was in charge at that time. 
and was like, you need to start running in like these other big towns, like in California and whatnot and start flying cross country and start flying all the talent cross country, spending all this money to get people in Fresno, California to come to a world championship wrestling show. <laughs> guess what? Guess what would happen when they would do that? Nobody showed up. They would spend so much money to rent out that damn building. Cause it's a big building in California and like not enough people would show up for them to make money, but you know what they could have done? They could have come to Charleston, West Virginia and made like fucking a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, not had to fly people. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you would go to places that you would make money, because uh, that, that's a smart move. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think my thing is if next pay per view is the same thing where it is like a quick match and a throwaway match. Because let's be real, this pay per view, even though there was some positives in their matches, it was a throwaway match. It didn't feel pay-per-view caliber, as you said. It was more like a power caliber. Mm-hmm. Like, if that match was on power, I probably wouldn't have even brought any of this shit up. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, oh, this is disappointing. It's just... Because I get that for free on YouTube every Tuesday. You yeah. know? And I, I guess if I'm NWA, I mean... <clears throat> you just came off of a a social issue with Cornette where you did lose Cornette fans and SJW fans that were watching. And let's be honest, SJWs aren't fans of anything. True. They don't ever put their money where their mouth is. Very true. But because, (laughs) because of what the SJWs did, all the Cornette fans that were there for Cornette left the NWA and to be fair, they had this pay-per-view before that social issue happened. Um, but if I was NWA, I would be announcing a new pay-per-view right away. Because I'd be like, let's see how we do on power. And maybe we make a special two-hour power or something like that. Two hours of power! <laughs> Where we do somewhat of like a pay-per-view caliber on free TV just to see if people are interested because if they build up these, you know, let's say if they have a couple or, or, you know, obviously four episodes because they're weekly and they're not hitting good targets and viewership. How is that going to translate into another pay-per-view that if they do the same thing where they're ending matches really quickly and doing power caliber matches on there, it's going to look silly again. It will. And I, I guess part of the reason why I'm giving them three strikes and this is strike one already mm-hmm. is because I like up until now, I've really liked the product that they've put out mm-hmm. and it has a lot more, it had a lot more positives for me than negatives. Now it's starting to swing the other way a little bit. Um, but I get, I guess I'm giving them extra, an extra chance because I, I want to like them. Yeah. I want I want them to pull through more than like AEW even. <laughs> yeah, this is still my number one company that I like. Um, I just think they need to be smart with pay per views and not be reckless how they were pretty much tonight. They if they plan this shit out better, cut that one match, and it was cool to see Thunder Rosa, but you know honestly they probably could have cut that match too. It was just a match. It wasn't announced. Oh, you know what? It, this was live, right? It was live. Yeah, this was live. See, that's another thing, too. You got to keep into consideration. Power is edited 
and taped. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. this was their real live experience, and I could see why they probably edit a lot <laughs> and put these commercials in. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't get my Austin Idol commercial about the the, the kayfabe cocktail. Yeah, I should give this a six because there was no killer, 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 killer. <laughs> Just keeps going. I think because they were on Fight TV, they couldn't do that silly shit because Fight TV would be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to put a commercial in your show and when we don't really have commercials? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that wouldn't make any fucking sense. And they're not real products? Well, some oh, are. Well, Austin Idol's wrestling school is real. Mm-hmm. And the, <laughs> the video game. I still like the one, Nick, all this, where he's like, do you play video games? <laughs> These new video games are so... Hard. Hard. It's like the screen explodes. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully if they listen to our uh, podcast, they understand that they need to work on their pay-per-view. Their power is still good, in my opinion. I like the one-hour show. It's straight to the point, and you... I love it. Hey, Chris Jericho listens to us. <laughs> Maybe they will. If the Lud Champion listen to us maybe the national treasure will maybe yeah maybe he'll listen and, and send a call a meeting in nwa mm-hmm. um are we sorry <laughs> that, that one snuck up on me it's all right man anything goes on our podcast we could belch <laughs> like right in the mic <laughs> belch part it doesn't matter to me okay <laughs> No, uh, are we going to talk about, we're doing a show this Wednesday, right? Yes, we are doing, uh, we're starting our decade show. So we're going to start from 2010 all the way to pretty much uh, 2019. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to go a little bit over um, even into next year because we are going to be taking a break because of Christmas and New Year's. So (laughs) we're still going to do it. I just want to have it as content, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think it's not going to be something we're just going to go straight and finish either. I think I don't think we should anyway because January is Royal Rumble time, brother. Mm-hmm. And Takeover and another NWA pay per view that might be good or not. <laughs> I think we were even we discussed I think before Royal Rumble or about like some of the big four pay-per-views. Like, I think you said something like we should watch an old one or two and talk about them before the actual one goes. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, we, I think we should do that with Royal Rumble. Yeah. We'll discuss the terms of it, I guess later, but yeah, the decade thing, I think on the first episode, we're going to just be really have like a rough, like we'll talk about 10 and maybe 2011. Mm-hmm. Because who knows how long some of these will go. In some of my notes, I've noticed there's certain years, like, for example, 2013, where, in my opinion, not a lot of stuff happens. Yeah, and uh, I remember me and Zach can talk about wrestling until pretty much uh, forever. Yeah. And (laughs) a short pay-per-view like NWA, I was like, oh, maybe it might be an hour and a half. No, we're hitting two hours. So we we can talk about it this pay-per-view until our fucking we can't talk anymore if this was better i wouldn't have spent so much time complaining 
then then we'd probably be talking longer and how good it was. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I notice like when we talk about good things, even on the movie podcast, mm. it seems like there's less to talk about. Like when we were watching the the really good indie movies, those were really short reviews usually. And then it was like when we watched <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, we talked a lot longer. Because mm-hmm. I think even though we all agree that it was shitty, it's fun to talk about. I guess it's going to sound wrong, but it's fun to talk about negative things more than positive things, I guess. It's good for you. It's good to air out those negative feelings. Mm-hmm. Because if you go, this movie was great. I had a fun time. The end. Yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> did uh, kind of off topic on wrestling but did you watch their red letter media uh their nerd cu- culture show podcast i love i love that i love every time they do one of those <laughs> they did one with star wars and they're like whoa star wars <laughs> we gotta make sure we're praising disney so we can go to events are you going to start praising Disney endlessly so you can start getting swag and start going to shows? And <laughs> No. <laughs> I only, like, chatted with you and, uh, I almost said you and Zach, but you're Zach, but you and Andy about, like, the Fortnite Star Wars thing because I, I went on somebody's stream and I was like, wow, this actually looks fun because you get lightsabers in Fortnite. And there was, there was like lightsaber uh, dual battles going on and i was like maybe i could get a lightsaber but then when i played i never got a lightsaber so i was like oh this sucks so i got off <laughs> i'm done <laughs> and the only reason why i bought the uh the sith trooper the red sith trooper that red letter media makes fun of in their nerd culture podcast because that's the reason why i bought it so i could look silly playing fortnite <laughs> You know, there's a game that was made that is just exactly what you're talking about that, that'll scratch that itch. But, oh my god, online lightsaber battles? Jedi Outcast? Jedi Academy and Jedi Outcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is it is it popular? Is it is it back? Um I don't know about Jedi Outcast, but Jedi Academy still has people playing it, I think. Hmm. It's not like a lot, obviously. Yeah. I guess we'll have to check it out, but we are on wrestling here. Um, yeah, I guess we'll, game. <laughs> it, we need a we need a wrestling video game that's actually decent, which I think is coming out next year. Not yeah, next year the retro thing that's coming out for Switch and PS4. The retro K retro wrestle fest. I forget the name of it. Yeah, which has NWA and Ring of Honor, I think, and House of Road, Hardcore. And the Road Warriors are in it. Mm-hmm. Somehow they were able to pull that off. Well, they probably needed money, so they gave their rights to them or something and yeah. got paid for it. Um, I guess we'll end it. Um, if you're into like movies and video games that we were just talking about, we have a podcast called Big Trouble Little Podcast with me, Zach, and Andy, uh, which we record and do a live stream here on Twitch. And by the way, we've been streaming on triple... Um, platforms this whole podcast we were on facebook we were on mixer and we were on twitch so if you want to see our movies and tv we are uh on tuesdays around 9 p.m eastern time and if you don't want to watch us live we're on novnetwork.podbean.com uh our new day so far for wrestling is going to be wednesdays at 9 p.m 
where we are going to be doing our decade show, which is two, 2010 and part of 2011, hopefully, uh, coming up this Wednesday. And soon will we have to get back on the Resident Evil uh, hype because of Resident Evil 3 uh, remake, and we have to get done with 5, 6, and 7, and the revelations, and then probably back to <laughs> Resident Evil 3. Oh my god. <laughs> but I, I'm guessing if NWA disappoints us and AEW starts to suck and then WWE starts to suck, maybe we could have a little hiatus and finish our Resident Evil thing. There's always NXT. Yes. They'll never let you down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, that's where we'll end it. This was a special, uh, when, a special kind of episode for Getting Some Color where we do pay-per-views. So uh, until next time, everybody, have a good night. Peace.